0: Welcome to Bible Study, everybody. Good to see you. Glad you're here. Exciting. Good to be here. A little bit of snow coming down out there on March, what is it, 16th? One, uh, 11th. 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 Close. Snow. It, snows on Day. That's it does snow on Mother's Day sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. but, have had it snow a week after my birthday. And my in June. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's possible. Flurries in the air. It's still spring in June, right? 21st. Correct. All right, well, let's start our time. We're going to pray and ask God's blessing. Father, thanks for uh, this time to meet, and we thank you, God, for your presence. Uh, we've gathered in the name of Jesus. We have gathered with the faith that you are here with us. Uh, you say you are. We believe you are. And we ask, God, that you would lead us, guide us, anoint us. We pray that you would uh, teach us tonight. I pray, for God, for revelation. Come our way. I, I just ask you, God, that we would be open to receive all that you want to say and all that you want to do tonight. Uh, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, thank you for this time. And we ask, God, that we would hear from you and we'd grow together and we mature together. And we learn together tonight. So have your way. Pray that you would direct our time. That you would focus. I pray that uh, our attentions, our, our uh, thoughts, our minds would be focused on you. And on your Holy Spirit and what he has to say. We we'll give you thanks. We we'll give you praise. Be glorified. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, let's open up to the book of Job chapter 7. If you need a Bible, you can grab one off the table. Job chapter 7. And in the book of Job, as we're turning there, I just want to remind you that we have an interactive feature uh, available at Bible Study, and uh, that is uh, through a website at www.speakpipe. Uh, Those of you that are listening to our podcast, uh, we invite you to go to that website. Uh, Monday Night Bible Study is the name of the page on that website where you can find a button you can toggle. And you can leave us a message, ask us a question, let us know where you're listening to us from. And we'd love to hear from you. So go on there and find us and leave us a message. We, Like I said, would love to hear from you. Job chapter 7 and verse 9. Who would like to read that for us tonight? As a cloud vanishes in his bones, so he who goes down to the grave does not return. All right. Thanks for reading that. Uh, First thing I'll point out about this passage is that this is Job speaking, which is kind of important when you're reading the book of Job, especially if you're trying to pull anything out of it that you want to take for understanding or doctrine, is that... Uh, His friends, although they had lots of stuff to say all through the book, uh, and they addressed a bunch of different issues, uh, they were at the end, it's just a reminder, they were rebuked as being wrong. And so we try not to take too much from them or anything from them on the way of what we want to take away from Job or in our learning or understanding of God through them. Uh, But it is important for us to see, well, what does Job have to say? And what is he saying? Uh, Throughout this uh, because he was commended at the end of the book and all throughout the book And so I'd be more likely to listen to him. I'm more likely to hear what he has to say And so this is one of the sections where he's speaking. So uh, He's going to share some plain truths And what he's sharing here is plain truths as to the shortness of life And uh, that's what he's sharing through this And so I wanted to take some time tonight and really explore some of the things that he says here because uh, I think they're applicable to us not only in kind of a practical way as to who we are as humans and the way that we live, the way that we die, the way that our lives are set up and, and what it is that we actually are. And I think there's some really practical things about that. But there's also some really good things in here about perspective and about the way we see our world and the way that we see ourselves in that world. Because I think in some ways our perspectives are a little bit off. Uh, that, uh, and it's not necessarily I'm off, you're off, but I think as a society, maybe as a culture, we have some interesting and kind of weird perspectives about the way life should be and the way that life should be and all the rest of those kind of things. Uh, and so I really think that some of the things he has to, to say in this passage, I mean, it can speak to some of that, and I think some of that plain truth is kind of important to us as we gain an understanding, as we gain uh, perspective. Now, he compares life, what does he compare life to at the beginning of this? Clouds. Uh, Why do you know about clouds? (laughs) They kind of come and go. Uh, If you've ever seen any clouds, uh, there was uh, just the other day, there was a picture up yesterday of a mountain. Uh, I don't know if those of you that were here, you might have seen that. Uh, And it was just, what it was, it was a picture, literally a picture of a mountain Algonquin Mountain up in the uh, or Algonquin Peak up in the Adirondacks, and earlier in the day, in the picture, the the mountain's clear, and all you see there's just a sunshine, blue sky, and a mountain. That's it. But earlier in the day, the top of the mountain was surrounded by clouds uh, that before the picture was taken, and so as the day wore on, as the sun was really you know, out, it was a cold day, but the sun had been out all day, and the sun rose and was directly over, those clouds disappeared. They burned off the mountain. They were evaporated, whatever you would say. Yeah, but they were gone. And so for the rest of the day, there were no clouds anywhere near the top of the mountain. In fact, it was a fairly clear day all around. You could look, you know, on the sky, and it was a fairly clear day. And so Job compares life to clouds. Which I think is kind of interesting because you know a cloud can block out the sun, right? Yeah, I mean you know cloudy days, and so there's substance to clouds, of course, and you know rain comes from somewhere, right? And so that, those are all kind of things that we associate with clouds. But you've all been on days where it's cloudy and then all of a sudden it's sunny. Are you been in all, there's sunny days and all of a sudden it's cloudy? And so they kind of come and they go and they do whatever they're going to do and they move through the sky. But one of the things that I think that we want to keep in mind is that clouds come and clouds go. Clouds appear, clouds disappear sometimes, and no two are ever the same. Now, do you ever see uh, anything in the clouds? Yeah. I mean, you know, like if you look up, I, I think I did this more when I was a kid than I do now, but you can imagine different things, and it kind of looks like different things. Sometimes I think clouds really look like something, like, like a person's face or something. I try to take a picture when I see something like that, but uh, and, and those kind of things so uh, but no cloud is going to be the same again like that cloud it 's just there it 's gone, and that 's it. it appears and, and whatever and Job's point in that, obviously, if you 're following along what he 's talking about here, is that there 's a uniqueness to each one there's a there 's a purpose and there 's a substance, and there 's something important about each one and in in their place and in their function and whatever they're doing up in the sky but there'll come a time and there will come a place where they're just gone and then there'll be a new cloud that will arise there'll be something else that will come and if you think of that in terms of individuals think of that in terms of generations you think of that in any term you want what he's trying to say is that there's a transience to life and that the sky stays the same but the clouds come and go the sun stays the same but the clouds come and go the earth stays the same but the clouds come and go and so our perspective can be different one day to the next i was just talking to chris he's from south africa uh not used to how gray it is here (laughs) and i'm not used to how gray it is here i didn't grow up here and 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 i struggle every winter with the gray that it, it just the lack of sun I guess I would say and so there's this real cloud cover and, and and it's a real issue for a lot of people and when I say struggle I mean I have to keep myself busy a lot and I say struggle I mean I'm fighting feelings of depression or I'm fighting feelings of feeling down or whatever it would be and those are real things I mean they've done studies on those things they I, there's, there's something that uh, not just in the United States, not just in Syracuse, but in places that there's a lot of cloud cover or there's a lot of darkness. Certain times of the year, people struggle with certain issues. And it's a real thing. And in, in interesting perspective-wise, uh, I don't think you get this much cloud, not this much clouds in South Africa? Uh, we, we do get, but it's not as gloomy. Obviously, it's like LA, so it's always super warm. So. Right. And it, it comes and goes, right? Right. And so, you know, you think about here, sometimes you get a cloud cover that can last for how long? Yeah, like days, right? <laughs> right. <clears throat> so it does, I mean, and it just lasts. And, and there's other places like this. I mean, where Tim is in Northern Ireland, in Belfast, it's, it's cloudy. And, and, and there's, a, there's real issues in the city of Belfast. Real mental health issues in the city of Belfast because of the cloud cover and because of the lack of light and And he got there and everybody's like, how do you, you know? How are you dealing with the lack of of sunshine and all of that? He's like, ah, it just seems like home. He grew up here, right? <laughs> right, I mean that they just <laughs> uniquely prepared for Northern Ireland and, and living there so yeah, Correct. I mean, and people, maybe someone in Belfast is being uniquely prepared to live here. I don't know. But it's, it's, that's one of those things. I actually looked it up for sun versus versus, uh, sunny days versus cloudy days. And compared to two cities between Syracuse and Belfast, we're actually cloudier than they are. Yeah. And they're pretty cloudy. So, but, but statistically we have less sun, sunny days than they have. Which is pretty amazing, yeah, and, and there's other places like that, so, but our perspective changes, alright as the days go by, and depending on what the clouds do, they ha- do have an effect. And our lives are you know we, we have an effect and and, it, and I, I just wanted to say that because I, I think sometimes somebody could read this and say, Well, we're just like a cloud and whisper we're gone. And that's not really what it's saying. What it's saying is is that... You know, there's an effect, there's a purpose, there's a time, there's a season, there's whatever you want to say, but the the fact of the matter is, is that no one, no two will be the same, and when the time is up, the time is up, and so the clouds come and the clouds go, and that's it. That's what he's saying. He's not disparaging us as meaningless. He's not saying our lives don't mean anything. He's not saying that... That we have no purpose or anything or no effect or anything like that. He's just saying that there's a transient nature to life. At least life on this earth. So he talks about death. And one of the things that he, he says about death is that it is a certainty. And it can do us some good to apply that to our lives. Now, I know this isn't the most uplifting topic right this second, but we'll get there. Just just hang on a second. But to apply the certainty of that, um, I grew up in a culture that uh, people talked about death all the time. Right? Where I grew up in my family, uh, my grandfather being in the ministry, you know that, that was a part of our lives. And he was a pastor of a church, and so people die. And they usually see a couple different people, all right? They'd see the, the, the funeral home guy, and they usually see a minister or somebody if they want a funeral done. And so as, as things would have it, that we would hear about death. And so it was just a part of our conversation. It was a part of our lives. And we had funerals at our house uh, where they brought the casket into the living room. And sometimes people were married in there, and sometimes people had their funerals in there. Or we had it at the church, or or wherever it would be, or we'd all go to the funeral home and we'd have it at the funeral home, or we'd do a graveside and we'd have it at the graveside, or some combination of the two things. But it was just a part of our lives. The funeral director, one of the big funeral directors for the city that we lived in, lived next door to us, just across the road, but he's the next house over from us. And so we were good friends with them. But he's the funeral guy, grandfather's the pastor guy. And so it was just, you know, whatever. It was just what happened. And so death to me wasn't something that was this rare occurrence. It just happened. In other words, going about life, it's a Tuesday, somebody died. Then it might be a Saturday, somebody may have died on Saturday. And it might be a, the next Thursday, another guy died. All right. Now, I, I'm not trying to sound heartless, I'm just saying... This is how it worked. And so I didn't know all the people. It wasn't something personal to me. It wasn't I didn't grieve for every person that was dying. Some of the people that I did know, it was sad. And, and other people, lots of people I didn't know. Some of the people were from the church that we attended. And so I knew them. That's sad. Other people were from somewhere else. And I didn't know them. Not as sad. But it was death. All right. Now, the reason I'm saying it, do you understand What I'm saying about it being a part of life—that it was just the occurrence of. All right, it's a certainty. All those people that I knew when I was five, seven years old, almost all of them, all the adults that I knew back then, they're almost all dead. All right, I don't know many that are still alive. Nobody gets out alive. It it doesn't happen. Okay. Well, we'll we'll look. We'll look at a few exceptions in a minute. All right. We're not getting to the good part yet. We're just, we've got some exceptions coming, but they still got caught eventually. All right. But having this understanding can help us. And, and this is just a little truth, a little nugget of truth for us. It can do us good if we can apply some of that truth to ourselves. Because the reality of the situation is, is that all of us will face this at some point in our lives. We'll face it first with the people that we love, and that's just how it goes. Some of us face this in other ways, but mainly it's the people that we love. If you think back, I can remember my great-grandmother passing away. I can remember my great-aunt passing away, and then it gets closer. My uncle passed away, then my grand- my grandfather, and then my grandmother. And, you know, and it just keeps going, right? My dad, and then my mom. And so we face all of this, and it gets closer and closer to us, right? And the people that we love. And that's just the reality of life, is that those things happen. And then it's us. And, and at some point, like what happened to me, I became the oldest living male in my family. I was the last one. And I'm talking about extended family. Until you get to my cousin, second cousins. All right? But from here all the way to past first cousin, I'm the oldest living male in my family. I have been for years. And that's a weird thought. There's a mortality to that that we need to face and that we need to hold on to sometimes. Because what it does is it begins to help, to help us understand how to live. We've got this life. We've got this moment. We've got all of these moments, these years, however many years that we have and, and, and whatever we think that that is, and, and in these moments and in these years, we have choices to make as to how we're going to live, what we're going to prioritize, what really matters, and what's going to matter. You know, when, I, when I go through my training, when I'm doing uh, the internship and I train my intern, One of the things that that we talk about, and it's through the text of the Dietrich Bonhoeffer text of the cost of discipleship, but is looking at relationships a certain way. Because you've got certain relationships that they're going to last for how long? I don't know. A year, two years, three years, five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years, I don't know. But then there's other relationships that we have that we're we're growing with people, and they're going to last forever. They're eternal relationships that that we are engaging in right now with people around us. And so in the big scheme of things, if we're going to prioritize stuff and we're really going to put our time and our effort into those relationships, something to keep in mind is what's the nature of the relationship. And, and, and maybe that nature can change too over time. Like some relationships I've had in the past that were very, very, you know, tied to time, because maybe those people didn't know God, they, they didn't have any uh, desire to, to live eternally, they didn't want anything to do with it, and I knew that, and so that, that would be a, a one type of relationship, but then there was the, all these other people that I'm going to know forever, and so when I'm trying to decide, okay, how I'm going to invest my time, I, I need to look at it in terms of eternity, not just the next five years. And, and like I said, sometimes those relationships change. Like, that person that may have had no interest three years ago in knowing God, maybe th- suddenly this year really wants to know God, comes into some kind of a relationship with him, and all of a sudden they shift over from being that, that 5, 10-year plan relationship into an eternal relationship. I mean, they do. And sometimes that happens. But the reality of it is, is that we need to look at how we spend our time and we need to look at how we're really investing ourselves and investing our time i mean i i like people and i love people i like being around people i like interacting with people but i have to prioritize how i'm going to invest the time that i do have and what's going to matter and so that kind of a plain truth that you see job speaking here can help us if we can apply that to our life. It's okay. It's it's okay to talk about death sometimes. It really is. It's okay to discuss death sometimes, not just when someone dies or when there's a funeral to plan for. And, And I'm in a position where, again, like my grandfather was, I'm in a position. Somebody dies, I usually know about it. And I'm part of that planning process. Even if the funeral's not here, or even if it's not someone that's part of our church, I still may be part of a planning process because that's just a part of who we are together. And I've just been through it so many times. And so people ask me questions and I'll just help them out. But pretending that people don't die is no good for you. Pretending that you're not going to die is no good for you. Pretending that the people that you love are never going to die is no good for you. And it's no good for me because it's not reality. And I'm not saying you have to dwell on that. I'm not saying you have to get yourself all upset about it. But the truth is, is that this is a reality of who we are as human beings. And, and the day is going to come for all those people that we love. And the day is going to come for all those people that we're close to. And the day is going to come in our own life. And that's it. And so the reality of that, somehow, instead of pretending that it's never going to happen, the reality that it is going to happen may help us to live more fully in relationship with one another also. Things that you need to say to the people that you love. Why don't you say it? The things that you, you need to, to to the time that you need to spend with the people that you care about. Why don't you spend it? Why are we waiting? What what are you waiting for? And and I want you to think about that. What are we waiting for? And so living in the reality of who we are, living in the reality of the frailty of our humanity, living in the reality of what's happened to every person that's come before us, just about, and every person that's going to come uh, you know, after us is important. Okay, let's move on. I'm going to say this. you got one life. The Bible talks about this. We've got one life. It's one and done. That's it. Right. I, I, don't know. I know I don't talk about this a lot, but I do want to say plainly that this is it. You got this life in the physical. This is it. Then you die, and you're done. <coughs> you don't come back as a zebra. Right. <coughs> At least not according to our faith tradition. That's not what we believe. <coughs> Other people believe whatever they believe, but we don't believe that. That is not a Christian belief. And so we get this life and we invest into this life as fully as we possibly can, and then it's done. <coughs> so the, the admonition to us is to do it well. To do it well. <coughs> and that the grave is final and we live as long as God pleases, and there's no return. Now, what Job knew and what Job believed here is kind of important because this is before, and and this is where things will turn a little bit for us. This is before Jesus, of course. Job is super primitive. When you read about him, You're reading somewhere around Genesis 4, Genesis 5. That's where he fits into the big picture of things. So he's after Adam and Eve, but he's before Abraham. Before Abram. So he's living somewhere in the middle of the patriarchs, uh, probably before the flood, likely before the flood. So definitely before Genesis 6. So he's before Noah, but after Adam. And so he had a really primitive faith. Like, Again, we've discussed this before about him, but it's, it's worth reiterating so that we can get this in our heads. He had nothing written down. There was nothing telling him how to worship. There's nothing telling him how it's supposed to be or who he's supposed to or how he's supposed to worship or, or anything like that or how he's supposed to pray. There's nothing written down like that. He's living out a faith that he just believed. And so whatever worship he did, he just did, that came from the heart, that came from his soul, that came from his spirit. And the people around him that were worshiping God, same thing, it came from their heart, it came from their soul, it came from their spirit. And so they weren't really trying, from what I could tell, that they weren't really trying to follow some rules and regulations, they were just living their lives, and they were worshiping a God that they had some kind of a relationship with. And that was really the point. And so the point of this is when Job is speaking this out, I mean, he's just letting them know, and, and it, this, is, this may have been in contrast to other people's beliefs. This may have been in contrast to other things that people thought. I have no idea. But he makes sure to say this, that the grave is final. And and what he was basically saying about that is, we're going to live as long as God pleases for us to live. And and Job himself, he was he was sad. He was upset. He was... Uh, somebody that had lost everything. I mean, his children were all dead. His property was gone. His wealth was gone. His, his lands were destroyed. His houses were destroyed. Everything was destroyed. Job also uh, had been afflicted with boils, so his physical health was gone. I mean, all these things were going on, and he's all messed up, and he's making sure to make a point here, and that's this, that this is all we got. We need to live it. This is our life. All right, and then we're going to die, and whatever happens after death is going to happen after death. And, and I'm sure that he did not have a huge theology about what happens after death. All he was trying to say is, is live it right. That's what he's trying to say. And we can get into some more, and we will in a few minutes, about going into the New Testament kind of understanding about what this means. But Job wants his, you know, the readers to understand is that you need, let's do it right. Let's do it right now, and, and so and let's live like we understand that. And he also makes the and he makes the uh, the statement that there's no return. And so when he talked about the grave, he was talking about kind of a simplistic thing, kind of the, the place of the dead. In the Old Testament, it's called Sheol. This word and that's just where they believe the dead people went. And so basically, what he was saying is you're not going to live on the earth anymore the way that you did, you know, like normal like the present state of things, like that you are right now, and it's not going to happen. That's not what's going to happen. And he wanted to make sure that they understood that. Okay, now in the Old Testament, <clears throat> there were a couple guys, there are a couple prophets, and there were one after the other, Elijah and Elisha. And they give us a little bit of a taste of what's to come. And i got a bunch of verses, so I need some help looking these up, and then we'll we'll, we'll go from there. Okay, and, and here's uh, a few of the exceptions to what job was saying here uh, the first is in 1 Kings 17 and this is Elijah and and this has to do with the widow of Zarephath that Elijah was staying at her house and there was a supernatural if you remember the story there was a famine that was in the land and Elijah went to stay at this widow's house and she had no more food. In fact, she was cooking up her last little bit of bread and, and stuff to, to feed her and her son, and then they were just going to die because they didn't have any more food. And Elijah said, oh, no, uh, you're going to get supernatural provision. I'm going to stay with you. You'll always have some oil. You'll always have some flour, uh, some, some mix to make some food with, and you'll always have enough. And so supernaturally, there was a provision that was made over this woman's house. It was made over her life. All right. So 1 Kings 17, can somebody read verses 17 through 24? This is the longest one that we're going to read. The rest of them are just verses. So. 17 through 24? Yeah. All right, thanks for reading that. Now, what happened here? What do we call that? All right, so he's raised from the dead, all right? And this is where you see this, this is Elijah. Now, this is, I don't know how many years past Job, thousands of years, all right? And so what you see is Elijah doing something here that, that is a kind of a first fruit, a taste of what's to come. Because there was going to be something different that God was going to do here. Because for, for, I don't know how many millennia, there was Job and what he said. And what he said is generally true to this day. You, get, you got one shot, you die, and that's it. All right. Elijah comes along, and this boy gets raised from the dead. And so there's something happening. There's something that God is doing here. And as is many times the prophet is giving us a little insight, is giving us a little bit of understanding about what's to come. He's showing us something about what's to come. Okay, somebody read 2 Kings 432. 2 Kings 432. Keep going. He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Just keep going till he, he gets raised. All right. hands on the child's, hand. And as out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. Got up, back This time the voice seven times and opened his eyes. All right. So here's another little okay, another glimpse as to what's happening here. You got the first boy with Elijah, and here's the second boy with Elisha. And again, he gets raised from the dead. He's dead. He gets raised up, so there's a resurrection that takes place. All right? So we got a little bit more coming. All right, let's look at 2 Kings 13.21. Again, is another, I don't know how many years later this was, obviously Elisha was dead by then, buried, and had decomposed, right, because his bones were available, and so, and so if you read the story, they, there's these raiders come, these guys, they got desperate, they threw the dead body into the tomb, dead body touches Elisha's bones, all of a sudden he comes to life, and there you have it, another miracle. Raised from the dead, resurrection. So we get each of these things, we get a a taste of what's to come. Each of these times, these Old Testament times through Elijah and Elisha, there's something prophetic, something in the air, something that's happening, something that's looking forward to the future, looking forward to something that is going to take place. So let's jump to the New Testament. Let's look at Mark 5.41. Okay, so here's Jesus, so we got Elijah, Elisha, now Jesus. Now Jesus, is, there's a girl, that's Jairus' daughter, I think, uh, and this girl is dead, and so he goes, and he's in the room, and she's raised from the dead. I mean, there were already mourners there, they, they knew she was dead. I mean, they had already, that the proceedings had begun already for her funeral. So he came in and then she was raised from the dead. Resurrection. Here's Jesus doing the same thing. Alright? Keep that in mind. Luke seven fourteen. There's a reason I'm having you read all these, I'll get to it. Luke seven fourteen. And what happened? You can read it. Alright, so this is a funeral uh, uh, procession that's going through uh, the town that Jesus is in. So he stops the funeral and he touches the, the boy that's on. He's being carried through town and the boy gets up and he begins to speak and he sits up. So again, raised from the dead. And, and this is something that is now happening. You think about Elijah, think about Elisha, and now Jesus, and you see something happening, and you see the momentum moving forward. Now this is taking place over thousands of years, but you see all of a sudden, within a year, you see this momentum begin to move forward, right? And so let's go to John 11:43. Keep going. The dead man came out with his hands and feet wrapped in stripes of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes as I go. Alright, so Lazarus was already in the grave, in the tomb, for a number of days. And there's that line in this story where Jesus goes to call him out and and one of the sisters, or one of the disciples, I can't remember who said it, but it's like, surely he stinketh. <laughs> and the King James is what it says. Because <laughs> he had been in there for so long, and Jesus wasn't worried about that. He calls him out, and the guy gets raised from the dead. So again, there's a resurrection that takes place. So we've got First Kings 17, we got Second Kings 4.32, we got Second Kings 13.21, Mark 5.41, Luke 7.14, and John 11.43 all of those things are previews every one of them everything that you see there is a preview of something that God is doing something that God is bringing about that's different than what was being done before so for the thousands of years that had taken place up until the time of Elijah things had been done it was a certainty that that was it and then in the days of Elijah in the days of Elisha there were three people They were raised from the dead. Okay, then remember, that was thousands of years later. So within that compressed time period of 20 years, three people were raised from the dead. Then however long takes place after that, 1,000 years, I don't know, 2,000 years, I don't know how long takes place between the two of those. But you get to Jesus. And then within a three-year span, what you see is you see one, two, three. Three people within a three-year span, you see they've been raised from the dead and you see a resurrection is taking place. So you see a compression of, of what God is doing in resurrection. You see the first compression being, say, 20 to 25 years. You see the second compression, although it's thousands of years in between, you see the second compression down into three years. And you see the same number of people being raised from the dead. Ultimately, you get to uh, Matthew 27. Matthew twenty-seven fifty-three. if somebody could read that. Now, there is something significant about what I just said about the compression of the resurrections that took place and of the people being raised from the dead. There is something significant about that, and there's something significant about the time frames in between. All right, so what happens in Matthew 27:53? All right, so so then you have Jesus who died on the cross he resurrected in other words he, he was raised from the dead that's what we celebrate Easter time and so after he was raised from the dead it says and, and I think it's kind of interesting that during this process during this whole process you see these other people appearing All right, how many? Don't know. Many. Many. (laughs) All right. So we've gone from we've gone from nobody for thousands of years to three people within a twenty five year span, and then nobody for thousands of years that we know of, and then three people within a three year span, and then many. (laughs) Yeah yeah because something broke open okay and that was the that, and that's what's key to what happened here is that you have the reality of who we are all right as human beings and it's important for us to embrace that reality but then you have a spiritual truth taking place and it's almost like it's something that's growing okay and, and it grew a certain amount and then it, it was dormant for a while. And then it grew a certain amount, but more, within a smaller amount of time. And then it's dormant just for a little while, and then all of a sudden it springs forth. All right? So after this is the springing forth. Then you got guys like the disciples. Yeah, go ahead. Is that like a like, touched earth kind of a thing? the like, tabernacle, the curtain tour, right? Right. So what is, so, yeah, if you want to, I don't have any objection to thinking about it that way, even any way you want to. The, the point that I see as, and the way that I see it, is that all of a sudden, this changes things. All of a sudden, uh, the, the presence of God is not confined. And where the presence of God is not confined, and, and willingly he was confined, but it, it's no longer. And so his presence is where? Everywhere. everywhere. And how strong is it? It's strong everywhere. And so it, he's everywhere all the time in, in, in a recognizable way. All right? And so uh, theologically, I would say he's always everywhere all the time. But, but there's, there's certain times that we recognize it more than others. And that's on us, not on him. That's on us. Okay? But he's recognizably everywhere we go. He's recognizably present. He's recognizably with us. The power of God is recognizably manifest. And so that's what you're seeing here, is that manifest power, that manifest presence of God. And so what does that produce? It produces life. It produces life where there is no life. It produces life even among those that have been dead. How long? doesn't matter doesn't matter. Think about Ezekiel and the vision that he had. I mean, he's, he's prophesying over a valley of dry bones. Mm-hmm. And as he's prophesying over that valley of dry bones, they, they begin to come together and they begin to come to life. I mean, what is that? that? That is resurrection. What is that? That is life. That's what he's prophesying. That's what he's speaking over. And so again, vision again. Looking toward the future, again, the prophet giving us some understanding about what's going on. And that's what you're seeing there. So then you get to the New Testament, you got Jesus, these people, this kid, the, the girl, and, and uh, Lazarus, all being raised from the dead. That's what you're seeing in that? Right, in that compressed time frame? Well, then, you see, all of a sudden, you got people being just getting up out of the grave and walking around and appearing to people. And it wasn't just one or two, it was many. And people saw it, and, and people responded to it, and people recognized it for what it was. And so then there was, a, I believe, that then there was this gate that was opened in the sense that the apostles, whoever they were, and we know their names, of course, but they were now beginning to move in this same kind of a ministry. You know, we see Paul, the boy that that fell asleep listening to him preach, which some of you are in danger of right now. (laughs) Fell out of a second-story window. All right, he fell out of a second-story window and died. And, And Paul, I'm sure he felt badly about it, you know. It's one thing when people are sleeping and, and resting soundly, you can kind of feel good about that, but if somebody fell out of a window and they're dead, you know, I mean, he went and that boy was raised from the dead. And, and you see this as becoming more and more, not just of something that happens every few thousand years or three times in a three-year span, but something that God is doing. Because it speaks and it tells a story about what he's doing in general. From being just a picture, just a view of what was coming, from being just a hint of what was going to take place like it was over those thousands of years, it's become this is what's happening. And what's happening is is that we have the opportunity to live forever. And... We're going to die. Every one of us, we're going to die. But we're also going to live again. And the point of all of this, and, and, and anytime this happens, and, and any time that people are, are raised from the dead, any time that these signs and these wonders are shown, it's to point toward a bigger picture, a bigger truth, and a bigger understanding that we're all going to die. I mean, really going to die. But we're all going to live again. Not like we do right now, but we'll live again in eternity, right that, that uh, we, we don't believe we don't believe in reincarnation, none of us do, as far as Christians are concerned, we just don't. Other religions do, but we don't. Um, we don't believe in a lot of other things that people believe in, but we do believe this: that we're going to die, we're going to die. we're also going to be raised again. That we do believe. We celebrate that every Easter. We celebrate that, uh, hopefully, just about every Sunday when we're celebrating the life of Jesus in us. That we are celebrating these type things. So, a couple places. First fruits of the resurrection, that's Jesus. John 11. Got a few more verses for you then we'll be done. John 11, 25 and 26. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Okay. Do you believe this? So here's Jesus. He's given a new paradigm, isn't he? He's given a new way of thinking about it. Uh, Yeah, these people understood... You know, life and death, they didn't live as long as we do, most of them. And uh, some of them did, some of them didn't. But they had at least some kind of rudimentary understanding about what it is. What Jesus is telling her, he's like, well, this is the new way. This, way, this is the way it's going to happen now. Here's how it's going to happen. You're going to be raised. You believe in me, you're going to live forever. That's what he told her. That's what he told her. And so, in fact, in the New Testament, it begins to speak about Uh, Paul specifically begins to speak about people because he wanted people to kind of get this in their brains about how it's going to work. He started talking about death in terms of what? You know what he called it? You remember? Yeah. He started speaking in terms of death as falling asleep. Because he wanted people to understand that they would wake up again, but different. But he just wanted them to get, get that in their heads. Now, there's been some really bad doctrine formed off of that, so I'm not really going to talk about that too much. But it's just that idea. And Jesus Jesus said, I am, he is, the resurrection and the life. You believe in him, you're going to be resurrected. You believe in him, you're going to live forever. That's what he says. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 4.14. So, in other words, there's a faith here. Do you understand what he said right there? He said there's something you need to believe. You need to believe three things. One, you're going to die, okay, but you're going to be raised again. And then he said you're going to be with him, right? So it's it's a simple process and and a simple paradigm, a simple way of thinking about it, a simple uh, a, a simple pattern to understand and, and to believe in and, and I know it might seem simplistic but uh, and I can just speak for someone I've heard this my whole life because again I grew up in a culture of and I don't want to call it a culture of death it wasn't a culture of death it was just it was talked about all the time and I heard how many funeral sermons in my life alright But I heard people talking about Jesus is the resurrection and the life. I heard people talking about you're going to die. But if you believe in Jesus, you'll live forever. Jesus died and he rose again and so can you. I I heard this my whole life. I don't know that it it seems really simple and yet I run into people struggling with these ideas. Because they mingle in other things with it like, well, was, was was I really a good person, or was that person really a good person, or this person was involved in this, or did that, or whatever else, and, and they've got all of these different uh, criteria and, and weird understandings and trying to put other weird things on it, or, or whatever. I don't even know what those weird things are. And <laughs> I'm just trying to give you some scriptures, and that's why we're reading all these, because I can give you my opinion, but I'd rather you just hear it. I just ready to hear it. And, and build your own. Build your own thoughts about it. But can I just say this? At least think about it, <laughs> please. You know, and, and not to be morbid or anything, because I'm talking about hope here. I'm talking about life forever here. And then really, there's nothing morbid about it. There's hope involved in this. It's infused right into it now. There's life infused into this. There's truth and there's hope. And there's future infused into this. There's destiny infused into this. It's, it's powerful. All right, we have three more verses. Yeah, Nikki. So what? So what? Like, if, like children who are too young to believe. Right. So, does, is that saying that they're not going to be living eternal life? Why? Because they. How do you know if they believe? I mean, they're too young to know. Well, why they would they be expected to? Like, I don't even know how that would come up. See, that's one of those things that gets wrapped into it. I'm, I'm, just, I'm not picking on you. But it's one of those things that get wrapped into it. I mean, like, what about children? You know, I mean, are they, you know, they, they poop themselves too, but I mean, do we hold them accountable like we do the rest of society that's old enough to know better? Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> children don't have the capacity to be able to, to understand what they're doing until they have an understanding of what they're doing on anything on any level whatsoever so we have no expectation of them on any level to to take responsibility for their actions until they reach a certain age when they can do that but when is that i don't know when they stop pooping themselves i guess (laughs) and they figure out how to get on a toilet and even after they figure out you know you're starting to potty train them they're still going to poop themselves every now and then because it's the way it goes at least mine did maybe they were slow but that's what they did And they went back to their old ways a little bit and stuff, but then they finally figured it out, and they did. I figure if I can have that much grace grace on my kid that that he's going to make a mess out of his eating and he's going to poop himself and he's going to pee himself and and he's going to break stuff and he's going to be loud when he shouldn't be loud and he's going to do a bunch of things he shouldn't do. If I got that much grace, how much more grace does God have? I'm just a human. I'm not even a patient human and I got that much grace. I mean, I'm... I'm not even that good at it that I got that much. So <clears throat> so I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying I think that's one of those things people try to complicate on things that we don't, we don't have any of those expectations anyway. So it, I, I don't see how that could exist. So it would be considered bad doctrine to say, well, it's responsibility of the parents to have the faith in the child, right? Yeah, how? Yeah. Do you poop for them? No, they make their own mess, and you clean it up. Yeah, I understand, and I'm just saying that I don't know that I don't see how that makes that's in line with what we're looking at. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that that is an extra complication that got added on later, I and mean, we can look. You can trace the history of how that got added on, but it's a it's just an extra complication we don't need. I mean, I mean, you think about it, your parent. What was the infant mortality rate 2,000 years ago? Pretty high, probably. What, are you going to throw that on the parents? Seriously? Oh, that's one more thing? Oh, did you make sure you had the faith for your child? Or they, you know, right, right. how crazy that is? Like, why, why? I don't know. Anyway. All right, three more verses. 2 Timothy 1.10. Thank you for that, Nikki, because that was a good question. I appreciate you asking that. Because you can probably apply my answer to that to a bunch of different things, too. You start applying that to some other things that would fall in that category that people worry about. Right. Right. Not ultimately, no. 2 Timothy 1.10. Right. So part of the victory of Jesus is is victory over death and hell and the grave. So he gives us victory over that if we have faith, if we have faith. Now, Job, go back to Job. He didn't have Jesus, right? No. And so what what was the grave to him? It's the end. That's all there is. But the grave isn't the end for us. Why? Because we have Jesus. And so at his appearing and through his work, he's gained victory over death and the grave. That's why it's important. Because everyone knew before him that that was the end. That's it. That was it. And and I'm still going to maintain that you got one life, and you need to live it with an eyeball on eternity because you need to make your choices right, and, and do the best you can, and do it well. While, you have, while you're living on this earth, do it well. But the difference between us and Job is that we, we die, we're going to die, but, but we serve a, a king, we serve a, a master, we have a friend in Jesus who obtained a victory over death and the grave. And so we're going to have life eternal. And we have that hope. He didn't have that hope. We do, because we know. Okay, First Corinthians 15, First Corinthians 15, 25 and 26. and yeah, we got two more, two more. We're good. We're good. This one and another one. First Corinthians 15, 25 and 26. All right. Yeah, destroyed too. Yeah, destroyed. All right. <clears throat> Jesus must reign. Jesus must reign. Does he reign? <clears throat> he must. He must. Yeah. Not for a while. It's done. It's the <laughs> done. But he must reign. Last verse, First Peter 1 three. First Peter 1.3. 1 Peter 1.3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Thank you. And so the part I want you to take out of that is that this is a living hope and a living victory. It's constant if you choose to live in it. But you need to choose it. This is our hope. This is our hope. This is our victory that he gives us to live in always. And and so you take your 80 years or however long you're going to live, you take it and do it well. But he gives us a way that we can do it well, and that is we can live in hope. We can live in victory, because it's a living thing. And he gives us the opportunity to live in that hope and to live in that victory. But again, I, don't fool yourself that people aren't going to die. They're going to die. But we have a hope in that, and we have a victory in that. Don't fool yourself that you're not going to die. When I was 21, I didn't think I was going to die. I was wrong. And I went about kind of proving it, you know, and, and almost proved myself wrong back then a few times. We're going to die. We can live in a hope. Why? Because we know what's on the other side. Jesus must reign. And as Jesus reigns, guess what gets, gets destroyed, ultimately? It's death. Death. We need to find that hope in reality, though. Not in some made-up fantasy world, but in reality. And that's why I started tonight the way I started. It's because there's a reality. Everybody dies. Everybody dies. But we have a living hope of how to live it out for however long God chooses to allow us to live on this earth. And we can do it well. And so I want to encourage you toward that. Toward a living hope, but a living hope in reality tonight. Something that is actually going to affect your life. Something that is actually going to affect the way that you treat other people. Something that's going to actually affect the way that you're you're going to look at the future. Something that's going to affect the way that you comfort people. When they come to you, or you give them time, or you give them your energy, or you give them your life, something's going to matter. But when you live in a hope, that hope is kind of contagious with people. And they can see that. And that hope leads to joy, and that hope leads to peace, and that hope leads to a lot of things that the world's really looking for. Purpose and destiny. And it's contagious. It helps you live it out better. If it's real, if it's based in reality, not in fantasy. So tonight, I just want us to take a few moments to pray. And, and I thank you for uh, bearing with me. I know there's a lot of verses. We don't always read this many verses. But like I was saying before, I don't want, I'm not sitting here making something up. all right? I, but I want you to see it for yourself and let it sink in and And just let it let, let that let some of those words let some of that those verses just speak to you and and hopefully we've got a balanced reality here leading to a supernatural hope and joy and victory that God wants us to live in. So let's take a minute, let's pray, and then I'll close in prayer. But uh take your time, do what you need to do, say what you need to say to God, and I'll pray for us a little bit, and then uh we'll be done. But but take a moment. Just a just a couple moments right now. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for God, your hope, the victory that we have in you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done you're the first fruits of uh, of all that is now that a door was opened that is just not going to be shut it's just open A, a door that's life a door that is hope and future and destiny thank you god thank you lord Jesus. Yeah, Father, I pray we take hold of truth tonight and uh, we leave behind other stuff, Uh, whether it be fantasy or whether it be half-truths or whatever, God, I just pray that we just take hold of just the truth of your word, take hold of some reality tonight, and I thank you that in that reality uh, that you present in your word that, man, there's hope and there's a future, and there's life, and, and God, there's uh, eternity. And so I pray that we would live in a reality that encompasses all those things, the reality of, of who we are, the reality of, of the uh, the nature of our being, reality of our frailty, the reality, God, of our life here on earth and and what that looks like the reality of death as the natural conclusion of our physical being here but i thank you god tonight it doesn't end there that as we have faith in you you are the resurrection and you are the life and that you give life to us and that there's an eternity waiting for us. And so, God, as the generations who've come before us found hope in that, as the generations who came before us looked forward to that place and looked forward to that rest and looked forward to that peace and looked forward to that reality of life in you, I pray, God, that we would live in that kind of hope and we would live in that kind of assurance and we'd live in that kind of faith we live in that kind of place of, of peace and future and purpose. Because, God, I thank you that living in that kind of hope is contagious. And I pray, God, that we'd be contagious to the people that are around us. Ministers of peace, ministers of joy, ministers of hope into people's lives. I pray, Holy Spirit... You say you're the, you are the comforter. I pray that you would use us in that as we comfort people, as we speak into people's lives, as we are the bringers of, of your message of hope and life. So God, I, I pray that we are a victorious people living as a victorious people. And I pray, God, that that victory that's all over us be all over everything that we do. I pray, Father, for some that are here, that you would raise them out of defeat right now. In the name of Jesus, people that have been mired in defeat in their life, people that have been under the weight of defeat in their life, people that have been living downcast and defeated in their life. God, I pray that you would lift them out of that. And I ask you, Father, to bring them into a place of victory. Jesus, you arose victorious, and you give us life victorious, and I pray, Father, we'd enter into that victorious life in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I pray your deliverance out of the lies of the enemy, your deliverance out of defeat in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Victory, God. Deliverance into your victory, God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thanks, Lord. God, I pray some of this will stick. Stick in us. Stick it in our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our souls, God. I pray some of this would stick in us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Let's agree by saying amen. 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 God bless you. Good to see everybody tonight.